Hello, this is Tim Convoy, the pastor of New Life Community Church located in Nashville, Indiana. I'd like to thank you for visiting our podcast, and I trust that God will just bless you and encourage you and speak to your heart as you listen to this message. Thank you again for joining us, and God bless you. Amen, amen, amen. Father, we love you. We bless you, Lord, and just ask that you'll speak to us now. Just open your word up, open our minds up to your word. Give us revelation. May your Holy Spirit help us as we tackle this issue of doubt, the obstacle of faith. Lord, as we just wrap up what we were learning last week, Lord, help us to just get our mind around this, and may we listen to the glory of God. And all God's people say, amen, amen. Romans chapter 4, we're going to read it real quick, and we're just going to finish up where we left off last week with the doubt, the obstacle of faith. Romans 4, 16 says, therefore, it is of faith that it might be according to grace, so that the promise might be sure. Because if it's by this, the promise is not sure. It's not steady. It's not firm. If it's by this in Christ, it is steady, it is firm, it is sure. Amen. To all the seed, not only of those who are of the law, but also those who are of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. As it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. In the presence of him whom he believed, God, who gives life to the dead. Now this is, you're seeing what Abraham believed. He believed God gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they do exist. Amen? We're going to pause for one second. Sam, did you go through the class today? Or membership class? Were you moving forward to membership? And we didn't call you forward? Man, it's not okay. Amen? Come on, Sam. He, listen. This is, oh my goodness. We had a, we had a class this morning and Noah was part of that class. I forgot Sam was part of that class as well. So was Anna, Anna, Anna. Is there anybody else that's part of that class? Because, uh, you know, they finished up while we were still in here. And Sam, I cannot just let this go because he got in at 3 a.m. this morning. He's a pilot, flew in from Miami, got up early, got here to the class, went through the class, and then we still missed him. So... We didn't miss him. The, the Lord didn't miss him. Sam means, Samuel means God hears. And, and he said, hey, you didn't call Sam up. I said, now, Lord, I'm in the middle of your message. He said, this is what it's about. I said, all right. So extend that hand of faith. Father, we are delighted to receive Sam today as another wonderful member of this assembly. We join our heart and our spirit with him. I thank you that he flew all the way in, he got up early, he got here to your house, 
And we just thank you that he is willing to just take a step of faith and join with us. And we bless him and honor him and thank him for his patience and love with us. In Jesus' name we all say, amen. 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 Sign the magic card. We'll get, a, we'll get a certificate to you. Oh, where's the, where's the pen? Did I lose the pen? There's, ooh, you'll have, you'll have the only blue signature on there. Oh, aren't you glad you don't have a brain like me? Oh, no, it didn't sign either. Anyone else didn't sign this thing? Oh, I'm glad the Lord, when he put our name in, that it was the Lord who has perfect knowledge, never forgets anything. When we accept Christ, he was sure to write our name in glory. Amen. All right, guys, thanks again. <laughs> uh, and at least they didn't feel like they were even put on the spot. Amen. Oh, mamma mia. All right, verse 18. And it says, this is, remember, Abraham believed that God gives life to the dead, calls those things which do not exist as though they do. Verse 18 who contrary to hope, in hope, believed, so that he became the father of many nations, according to what was spoken. So shall your descendants be. And not being weak in faith, he did not consider. Remember, that means to put your mind upon. What are you thinking about? He did not consider his own body already dead, since he was about 100 years old. And the deadness of Sarah's wound. He did not consider that as well. Did not put his mind upon that. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief. But was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God. And being fully convinced, not partially, fully convinced that what he had promised, he was also able to perform. Is that true? Amen. And therefore it was accounted to him for righteousness. Now it was not written for his sake alone that it was imputed to him, that righteousness was imputed, but also for us. It shall be imputed to us who believe in him. Amen? Who raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead, who was delivered up because of our offenses and was raised because of our justification. Now, last week, we just began to learn it, learn about this and, and look into this area of doubt. Has anyone ever doubted? Yeah. Has anyone ever thought, looked at someone else and says, man, how can that person have so much faith? What's my problem? They seem to have it all together. Has anyone ever thought about that about other people? Yeah. Okay. About all of us. And we look and we say, man, how come I struggle? How come I doubt? And we learned that the issue is, what are we putting our faith in? And doubt comes when we have to start at the starting point. Remember, Abraham believed God. By faith, he believed what God said about him. And that faith, he had righteousness imputed, put to his account. He had to believe that he was righteous before God, not because of what he did, but because of what God said. Amen? And that was put to his account. But Abraham had to learn 
to have faith in his righteousness, God's, not in his self-righteousness. Doubt comes in our life when we have one foot in one covenant and one foot in the other covenant. The new covenant is a covenant of faith. The old covenant was a covenant of works. God deals with us according to our works. Here, God deals with us according to faith through grace. Amen? But sometimes we say, well, I've accepted Christ as my Savior, and I've been, righteousness has been imputed to me, but now I keep one foot over here because now I have to act righteous if I'm going to experience the blessings of God. But does God bless you because you're good, or does God bless you because He's good? He's good. It's not us trying to earn our righteousness. We have been given righteousness. Righteousness is not an act. Righteousness is a person. Righteousness is a place that we have been put into, and that place is Jesus Christ. Amen? So we need to be careful because doubt will come. Not, it's not doubt in Jesus. It's doubt in ourself. We doubt whether we are praying enough, whether we're reading enough, whether we're good enough. We doubt whether we're believing enough in order to receive the blessings of God. So this is a side that doubt's always on, right? And sometimes we doubt whether our faith is strong enough. If you are doubting whether your faith is strong enough, then is your faith in God or is your faith in you? It's in you. It's faith in your faith. And it's... It's a concept you have to wrap your head around that we cannot put faith in our faith. We have to put faith in what God said, who we are in Christ. Amen? So we learned about this. We also learned a little bit with Abraham, you know, when we read that account that, man, when I read it, Abraham believed God. Abraham was not weak. Abraham did not waver. Abraham was fully convinced. I read all that about Abraham and I said, wow, I'm not like that. My faith falters. My faith is not as strong as it should be. My faith is weak at times. You know, I look at Abraham, what God wrote about Abraham, and, and it gets discouraging because I said, that doesn't look like me. But remember, this is how God sees Abraham. Remember, we went back to Genesis chapter 12, all the way to 20, and we saw how man sees Abraham. Was Abraham perfect? No. Did Abraham have an issue with lying? Yeah. Did Abraham have an issue with being a little self-absorbed and self-protecting? I mean, after all, when you say, honey, if they ask if you're my wife, say you're my sister, and then it will be well with me, and they will not kill me. Now, if you were Sarah, you go, wait a minute, but won't they take me off to be his, uh, in his harem? Yeah, but that's just a technicality. <laughs> that's usually where, that's, that itself is a life or death situation, Amen. <laughs> So he, he was a little self-absorbed. And even after all this, even after God's pronounced him righteous, it, and God says that you are going to be the father of many nations, do you remember what he did when he was 100 years old and heard that? He fell on the floor and laughed. <laughs> I love that picture, don't you? He fell on the floor, 100 years old, you do not want to fall, and he purposely fell. And he was laughing. He thought it was such a joke. And God says, but I am going to do it. And it is going to be through Sarah. And it says, and God finished speaking to him and left. In other words, that's all I'm going to say. And God leaves. <laughs> I don't know if he got up off the floor yet at that time. We're still on the floor laughing. But that, God's like, 
That's it. Wow. And yet it says that he did not waver in his faith. Did that look like a little wavering? Did it look like a little weakness in faith? I think so. But we see from God's perspective, he said, no, I do not record. If you are saved, I do not record your sin. It's no longer imputed to you, verse 8. I record your faith. God keeps an accurate record of every time we use our faith. Every time we use our faith and trust him. He doesn't bless you because you're using your faith and trust him. He blesses you because he's good. Amen? And he says we're already blessed in Christ. So now as we just put a bow on this, so to speak, my question is, what did Abraham believe about God, even though he fell on the floor laughing, thinking it was a joke, even though uh, he said, this is crazy, this is impossible. There came, God bless you, came to a place where Abraham, it said verse 17, he believed God, that God was able to give life to the dead and call those things that do not exist as though they do. He believed that God is greater than the obstacle in his path. What was the obstacle in his path? A biologically dead body, if you will. He wasn't physically dead. But what Abraham believed was his problem. And, and he had a problem, if you will. He was 100 years old. Now he had Isaac when he was 87. Now we're 13 years later. And, and now he's 100 years old. And God says, you're going to have a child, and you're going to have the child through Sarah. So Abraham thought of two things. Abraham thought of himself, and he says, wow, I'm an old man. And my wife is 10 years younger than me. She's 90. Now, he didn't dare call her an old lady, because that's disrespectful. Amen? <laughs> it is. I hate that term. Don't use that term. But he did know that she was 90. And he looks at Sarah, and you look at Sarah, not only Abraham at 100 years old was, the biological clock was done ticking. So he was biologically dead, if you will, at that time. But Sarah was double dead. You know, uh-huh. she was double dead. Because at 90, she, she had been barren her entire life. She's not been able to have kids her entire life. And now she's 90 years old. And you know what happens early on. And you know, I don't have to get into all that stuff, do I? And so now it's past the time of childbearing. So she's, she's double dead. And he's dead. And, and, and God said this to Abraham. And Abraham had a good laugh over it. But he had to say, well, Okay. You do realize, though it may not be recorded, somewhere between the falling on the floor laughing and somewhere prior to Isaac's birth, he had to believe something was going to happen. You understand? <laughs> he had to believe that what was too big for him was not too big for God. Somehow he had to believe it. He said, okay, what's too big for me is not too big for God. Remember that word consider means to put your mind on what are you thinking about? He he looked at his condition. He looked at Sarah's condition. And he had to say, am I going to let my condition stop me? If God said this, does God trump our condition? The condition said, ain't no way. Sarah even said, huh, she had a good laugh about it too, right? 
eavesdropping in a tent, then lied about it. Don't lie to the Lord about it. The Lord says, why does Sarah laugh? Sarah's inside going, I didn't laugh. She's inside the tent, remember that? And he says, oh, yes, you did. Oh, no, I didn't. But yet, no matter what his body told him, he had to believe what God told him. No matter what the natural realm told him, he had to believe what God told him. No matter what the medical realm would have told him, he had to believe what God told him. And that's the difference between your condition and your position. You follow what I'm saying? God says, I have made you righteous through faith. This is your position. But you're getting wrapped up in your condition. And when we get wrapped up in our condition, what our body tells us, what the medical world tells us, what the natural world tells us, sometimes our condition is contrary to our position. Right? And if God says that we are holy in Christ, even though your condition may not be acting it, you have to say, who do I believe? Do I believe my position or do I believe my condition? When you hear God say that we are healed, by His stripes we are healed, then we have to say, well, this is what God says, but this is what my physician says. Do I believe my physician or do I believe my position? Now you say, but wait a minute, I know people that love the Lord, serve the Lord, and yet they were not healed. Guess what? We all know those people, right? But the end of the day, God says something about us. And God wants us to believe Him on that. And His healing sometimes comes in many forms. And everything, this side of the grave, is always temporary healing right? But on the other side, it is permanent healing, right? God who sees beyond space and time, He already sees us in Christ. He already sees us holy and healed in Christ. But inside of me, my body is yet to be redeemed. My soul and spirit are redeemed. Are you redeemed inside? You and you, you realize this is not you. This is just the the flesh puppet you use. You is you on the inside. Right? You on the inside. Have you been forever forgiven? Have you been redeemed through the blood of Christ? Has God imputed His righteousness to you? Yes. If, if Jesus says, by His stripes we are healed, did God lie about that? No. So then, okay, by his stripes, I'm healed. Me on the inside is healed. Me on the outside may not be healed. But who am I going to believe? I got to believe, I take the position that, you know what? By his stripes, I am healed. In glory, I need no more healing. I'm forever healed there, right? But right now is when I need the healing. So right now is when I, I want to be in a position where I focus, focus, focus on my position in Christ, not focus on my condition outside. Even if the condition says contrary. People say, well, what if it doesn't work? What if it does work? Right? I'd rather be in a position that says, you know what? By his, by his stripes, I'm healed. You know what? He forgives all my iniquities. He heals all my diseases. I would rather believe that and say, well, it's too bad he doesn't heal me. Right? Now, 
Does that mean Tim doesn't go to the doctor? No, Tim goes to the doctor. He may heal me with medicine. He may heal me with open heart surgery. Right, Chuck? Yeah. Hey, hoorah. It's like, good, yeah, good Marine, hoorah. That's probably hard to do after having your chest cut open. But he is a Marine. Amen. But the thing is that we still say, you know what? He's still my physician. He's still my healer. He's still Raphael, the God who heals. You know, that's the first compound name of God that is going to be used, Raphael, God who heals. So when they threw the branch into the bitter waters and the Lord turned them into sweet waters. The God of you, you know, I want to be in a place where I say, you know what? I know what my body says. And my body tells me crazy things sometimes. Like sometimes my body says I can do crazy things. Like I can't do it anymore. My wife is, are you really on top of a 20-foot roof metal blowing it off with a blower? You're almost 60 years old. It's just a number, right, Sarah? Sarah Louise tells me it's just a number, Tim. It's just a number. But the thing is, I wake up, my body tells me one thing. And I say, oh, this is my condition. But my mind has to say, but this is my position. I am in Christ. All right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to teach you something about what is the verse. Is it verse 18? Yes. It says, who? Oh, there it is. Contrary to hope, in hope, what? Believe. So is hope working for him or was hope working against him? It was actually both. Because at one time, do you see, do you, can you see the opposition there? So at one time, there was, he was contrary to hope. Another time, he was in hope. Now, when we think of this, we have to realize that God is showing us this struggle that even Abraham had when it came to hope. How do I, how do I say it? Faith is not the absence of doubt. Faith is the antidote to doubt. So whenever doubt arises, then I must put faith against it. It is like a salve. And and faith is what dissolves the doubt. You say, well, I'm trying to believe, but I can't believe until I get rid of this doubt. No, you start believing in your position, even if your body and your mind and your condition, if everything else is saying different, you believe in your position and wait for the condition to get in line with that. So you don't wait till you don't have doubt anymore. There's times I can go from faith to doubt in seconds. Can you? Man, I can really believe something. Man, I believe in God for great things here. Next thing I know, what happened to your faith, Tim? It's faltering. It's weak. It's struggling. But when I see doubt, faith is the is the antidote to that doubt. It's a sadness. Says this is what's going to take care of this doubt. And it moves us from having contrary to hope to be in hope. Now, I bring this up because it's important that I just show you this Greek word because you want you want to know the Greek. You're like, what's a Greek? Elpis. Elpis. Not Elvis. It's like Elvis, but it's Elpis. I'm not sure how it's like Elvis, but it's the Greek word Elpis. Is the word hope. Here's what hope means. A confident expectation of good things. Do I have it here? Uh, Hope. The expectation of good things. Now, in our text, 
Elpis is used twice in that first line. But there's two different prepositions in front of it. Matter of fact, the first preposition you see on the next slide here is the word para. Para, P-A-R-A. Para elpis, para elpis. You're going to say para elpis. Say it with me. Para elpis, para elpis. It means to be in close proximity to. It means to be like this close. Am I para elpis? Yes. I see hope right here. Yeah, I got hope, but you know. You know, the crazy part is Christians don't struggle being way over here. God bless you. And hope's way over there. We are not hopeless like the lost world is hopeless. But we find ourselves right over here. Pada Elpis. He said, who, Pada Elpis, who, contrary to hope, he was close. He had a close proximity to hope. But he wasn't in hope. In hope, Epi help Elpis. I don't want to say help us. It's not help us. It's Elpis. No H. Epi help us. Say it with us. Epi help us. Epi. Epi means in, upon, on. Uh, epicenter. God bless you. The center of the earthquake. Um, your skin is your epidermis. It's the largest organ in your body. And the largest organ in your body is exposed. See, I thought it was cool in school when I learned that word. I go, hey. Your epidermis is showing. Because I, oh. I learned a word they didn't know yet. It's great when you're in high school to make fun of the junior high kids. Just kidding. Epi means in. Am I pata elpis or epi elpis? Epi elpis. I'm in, upon, I'm in. Now, Abraham, when he was having a laugh attack over what God said, was he in hope or was he, was he in a place of confident expectation of good things? No, but he was awful close to it, wasn't he? He's like, he's talking to God. God's talking to him. And, and he was in a close proximity to hope, but he wasn't in hope. And so he had to reach a point where he says, you know what? Out here, no matter how close I get to hope, I have doubts. And I have struggles. We as Christians, we've learned so much since Abraham. We've learned to put one foot in and one foot out. And we say, how are you doing? Oh, man, I, I have positive expectations of good things until a bad thing comes. And then I'm like, oh, boy, I hope I have, hope this turns out for the good. And then something happens and it turns out the good. You go, wow, I have positive expectation of good things. Have you ever been like that? It's hard to say I am in hope today. I am in a place of positive expectation. Let me tell you, you know what we have to do? We have to constantly change what we consider, what we put our mind upon. Because by nature, we do not expect good things. By nature, we expect bad things. Well, that's not true. Really? When someone says, hey, the boss wants to see you, you go, "Woo! raise is coming. Or do you go, oh, I wonder what he wants. When the phone rings at a late hour of the night, you go, "Woo! 
Yeah, must be someone from California calling me. Time change. Get it? Or do you go, ooh, that's not good news. Now, sometimes our, because we experience these things, we, we look at our condition, and again, we're basic in our condition. But we have a propensity to think bad things, not the good things. I'll give you an example. We have a great time at church today. We have a great time so far today? Ah, it's been great. Baptism, new members, all this. And then what's going to happen? We're going to dismiss you and say, yeah, go storm the gates. And what's going to happen? You're going to stand there and you're going to look over and you're going to see your good friends over there. Let, let me pick up. You've got Lily and then Lily's going to be up front. She's going to turn back. She's going to see Cindy back there talking to Terry. And Terry and Cindy are talking and while they're talking, they're giggling a little bit, and they both look over, and they, they see Lily looking at him. They turn back, and, and Lily's like, hey. And then they see it go back in, they look back, and they snicker a little more, and then they leave. And you know what we do? This is hypothetical. Lily goes, huh. She goes about her day, and about two days later, Cindy calls Lily. And Cindy says, Lily. Terry and I would like to have you join us for lunch today. We're going to go to Columbus. Uh, can you come? Lily's like, well, I think I'm quite busy. Well, can you clear your schedule? We'd really like to help. We'd really like to have you come along. Well, I'm, I'm not so sure. Is anything wrong? No. Nothing. By the way, I want to... This is a, teachable moment for you guys. If your wife says, when you ask her, honey, is anything wrong? And they go, no, nothing. That really means everything is wrong. All right? <laughs> when they say no, nothing, that's like, who is something? All right? So when Cindy hears this, like, no, no, nothing. Finally, she convinces Lily to go. Lily joins Terry and Cindy. They go over to this place in Columbus to have lunch. And as soon as they walk in, everyone goes, Surprise! Happy birthday, Lily! <laughs> and her friends come up and Cindy and Terry say, Lily, oh man, we thought we were busting. We were talking about a surprise party at church. And you looked at us. We said, man, she knows we're planning her party. And Lily's thinking, that's exactly what I thought you were talking about. <laughs> yeah. How many know that happens all the time? Because our nature is not to have expectation of good things. Our nature is to expect bad things. They're not talking about my birthday party. They're talking about something else about me. And off they go. You see, we have to make, Abraham had to make a conscious choice that he had to consider. He had to put his mind... He could not just be contrary to hope. He could not just be in a close proximity of good expectation. If you are, if you have one foot in, you're expecting good things sometimes and bad things other times, right? But when you are here and walking in doubt and you're expecting bad things, wow, the doctor's report hasn't come back yet. It's supposed to be back Tuesday. It's not back yet. A good sign or bad sign? Usually, that's not good. We have an expectation of bad. 
And we are in doubt. And when we are in doubt, we cannot exercise faith because doubt becomes an obstacle. What we have to do is learn how to be in this even when the report is late getting back. How do you do that? By putting faith in this, Romans 8. You know Romans 8, chapter 28? Or excuse me, chapter 8, verse 28? And we know most of the things work together. Is that what it says? And we know all things. By the way, I looked up that Greek word, and you know what that word means? All things. Yeah! means everything. We know all things work together for what? Good. To those that love God. Do you love God? Yeah. Do you love God enough? No. Yeah, that was pretty weak. Why? Because you're putting your, now you're thinking about yourself. God says, you know what? You love my son. You love me. Amen. Those who love God to those who are the called according to his purpose. Are you the called? Yes. If you accepted Christ, all things work together for good. So that means I could put my faith in what God said and not have my faith in what I think is going to come back from the doctor. Not have my faith in a report that says it's not good because I look at that and go, wow, this is not good. But God says this will work together with other things and it will be good. Amen? He says we have to believe all these things will work together. And when you start thinking that way, now you're putting your faith in what he said, not your faith in what the doctor said, not your faith in what your body says, not the faith in what natural realm says. Are you following me on this? Huh? Hebrews 11.1. 1. We know it. Hebrews 11.1. 1. Faith is the substance of things what? Hoped for. An expectation of good things. That's faith. Expectation of bad things. Is that faith? Do I have to start believing good things are coming my way? Do you have to believe that good things are coming your way? Yeah. Do you have to believe that God only has good things for you? Even if it looks like a bad thing? Why? Because it's not based on that thing. It's based on what God says. God says faith is a substance of things hoped for. It's the evidence of things not seen. Listen, friends. We have to learn to focus on what God says. Because what God says never changes. Amen? Amen? What natural realm, what the doctors, what my body, what everything else says, changes constantly. I have to constantly say, Tim... Stop thinking outside the box on this one. Start thinking inside the box. It's a mental thing that I have to say, I have got to believe. I don't know about you, but sometimes I could think bad things are happening. Can you all? <laughs> and when I find myself dwelling on the bad, I got to say, wait a minute. I got to start dwelling on the good. Because God only has good things, and even all those bad things will still work together for good things for those who love God, those who are called according to His purpose. Amen? So how did he fight doubt? He didn't just get close to hope and say, oh, I hope pretty much. <laughs> he had to say, no, I had to get right in it. And I had to believe what God said about me. And God says, you are in 
Christ. Amen? You are in Christ. You are in the position of blessings. You are in the position of righteousness. You are in the position of God to pour out all His blessings on you. If you are in Christ, you just need to believe it, enjoy it, and accept it. Amen? Amen. By the way, you don't even have to pray to be in Christ. Ron can come up to me after service and say, Pastor Tim, I need you to pray for me. What do you need, Ron? I need you to pray that I'll be in church today. You are in church right now. Right? So I would not have to pray for him to be in it if he's already in it. Amen? God says you are in Christ the minute you got saved. Amen? I don't have to pray to be in Christ. I'm in Christ. I don't have to pray anymore to be in this building because I'm in this building. I just enjoy it, I believe it, and I rest in it. God says you are in Christ, and you know what I do? I enjoy it, I believe it, I rest in it. I'm in Christ. Whether I feel like I'm in Christ, whether I don't feel like it. When I act like I'm in Christ, whether I don't act like it. Whether everyone thinks I'm in Christ or not, doesn't matter. God says I'm in Christ. And I don't even have to pray to be in Christ anymore. Amen? And now I rest and say, huh, that's awesome. I am in a perfect position for blessings. Christ is the highest pinnacle of the universe. And if God puts you in Christ, he puts you in the highest place of the universe. Amen? And that sounds like a pretty good place of blessings. Amen? So, anyways... Doubt can be the obstacle. As our musicians are coming, did I cover everything? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, you know, I know I didn't cover that part, but I'll just cover it as I'm walking down here and musicians are coming. You know what the crazy part about verse 19 was? It says, Abraham was not weak in faith. You know what God showed me this week? Verse 20. Verse 19 said, Abraham was not weak in faith. And then you know what verse 20 said? And it, see what verse 20 and he did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was what? Strengthened. They go, huh? Wait a minute. It just said he wasn't weak. Why was he strengthened? The word means to shore up. It, it means to make something fragile strong. So Abraham, though was not weak, did not waver, yet his faith had to get stronger. I go, wait a minute. I thought you just said he wasn't weak. No, but he was strengthened. How did he get strengthened? It was a continual act of strengthening. He was giving glory to God because he believed God. You know what he did? How you are strengthened in your faith is every time you exercise the faith over doubt, focus on your position, not your condition, then what happens? You just applied your faith to that issue. And as you give praise and glory to God for being faithful to his word, guess what? You have another chance to, to apply that faith again. And the more you apply it, the more strength you are getting strengthened in the faith. That's why Hebrews 11, that when he was tested and offered up Isaac, remember in Romans 4, he believed God was able to bring life to the dead. Remember that? 15 years later, he was asked to offer up Isaac. You know how his faith responded? He didn't fall on the ground laughing. He goes, you know what? I saw God raise my dead body. I saw God raise my wife's dead body to produce his promised son, Isaac. 
And if I have to go bring him to that altar and sacrifice, it said, by faith he offered him, which next verse says he was a son of promise. But notice what he learned 15 years after this. He concluded that God was able to raise him up even from the dead, which he had also received him in a figurative sense. How did he believe the resurrection for there was a resurrection? He believed if he had to offer up Isaac, that somehow God was going to raise the dead. Why? Because he learned and believed that God was able to bring life to the dead. His dead body, his wife's dead body, produces young baby Isaac, brings laughter, been calling out his name for all that time. And now he's able to, he didn't fall on the ground laughing. Instead, he just believed God could raise his son from the dead. He was strengthened in faith because he gave glory to God. Thank you, God. You're faithful once again. Stand with me. Wasn't going to give you the whole thing, but you got it. Because I want you to know even he was strengthened in faith. God's calling you today. Listen, maybe you need to lay something at the altar. We're only going to take a minute or two. You come. Ministry team, folks will be here to pray for you. You come. If God's speaking to you today, maybe you haven't been saved yet, you come. Maybe you haven't been baptized, church membership, whatever. You come. Maybe you need healing today. You come. 